You're listening to the Laugh Factory Podcast Network. For more shows, visit the podcast page at laughfactory.com. It's the after laugh, after laugh. Welcome to the after laugh, after laugh, after laugh. <laughs> after laugh, man. <laughs> Go ahead, pull up a chair. Hey guys, welcome to the after laugh. I'm here with um, actress, writer, producer, creator, Jennifer Shakeshaft. Jenny Shakeshaft. That's two right. Friends. Thank you. Um, thanks for coming. <laughs> Thank you for having me. <laughs> yeah. Now, I, I was made aware of you <laughs> as a hashtag girl boss because you were doing, during quarantine, a lot of people were figuring out what the hell do we do, particularly in the comedy world. I think in, in entertainment in general, but particularly in the comedy world, people who are used to doing stuff almost every day and every week just were feeling like, I need that, I need that heroin fix. So uh, I'd heard from a, a friend that you were doing a variety show with your production company, Monument Productions. And right away, I was just like, I want to be on, I want to be on, I want to be on. It sounds cool. And, um, and I did it. And it was, I've done a bunch of Zoom comedy shows and it definitely had the most sort of production value of any of the Zoom comedy shows. Like there was a lot of people involved. There were sound people. There's a DJ. Am I right about this? <laughs> there are people right. in different states. Um, and, uh, and it was a lot of fun. And it was probably the first time I did a Zoom show where I felt supported <laughs> by the people running the show. And I actually felt um, I had a good time. Partly is because you were an audience member and you're a great audience member. Thank you. So when live comedy starts again, you definitely come <laughs> to my shows because... Yeah, front row yeah. seat. Um, I guess my first question is, so you, you have a pretty accomplished career a, a, as an actress. I mean, you can see Jenny in all sorts of movies. What, what are the movies that most people, if they want to stream right now, where, what would you, uh, there's Walking Tall, a couple of those, right? <laughs> Thank goodness. Hey, that's a real movie. You know, come on. <laughs> don't, don't, don't say it like that. Then there's um, W with uh, Oliver Stone. Tree of Life with um, Terrence Malick legendary directors um but what what else have you done because i i know i haven't seen probably most of the stuff you've done you you were in dallas working on a lot of stuff yeah i mean you know walking tall the payback is actually what it's called not to be confused with the original walking tall <laughs> with the rock but i feel this, like there's so many original well there's the rock right. one and well, then there was, there was the, the original original one before right there was that. the original back in the what 70s and yeah. then there was the one with the rock and then they made sony pictures came out and made walking tall the payback um, and Walking Tall 3, which we filmed back to back. And actually, that was a really uh, exciting film. And I had a great time on it. And then W with Oliver Stone, obviously. Um, Real quick about Walking Tall, because mm-hmm. the original Walking Tall was based on a true story, right? Yeah. yeah it was. So, which is basically a guy came back to his town. It was became Sodom and Gomorrah, basically. Mm-hmm. And he took a... Like Sawed off shotgun and... Well, didn't he take like a tree branch or something yeah. and just started beating people? <laughs> and then the rock came along and he took a two by four, so it was more polished. Right. But um. So I'm walking to all the payback. It just has a thought. Because I remember I was so okay. fascinated by. It. I was the original movie. I think it was in the seventies. I was so fascinated. I looked into yeah. it and I was like, wow, this is based on this guy who wanted to clean up his town. So um, in the sequels, I guess it's no longer a true story. Obviously, they can't just keep. Well, they, it's still the same premise, same obviously. Premise. Hollywood does a great but job. But it's no longer that. based on what had happened. They just say, okay, we're jumping off from that. Sort of, yeah. I mean, you know, they've, they do, I think that they, in Hollywood, they figured out if it works, you know, 
It's like, uh, don't, the, don't break number, it. Add just, the number two. Yeah, add the number three. Make it different with different characters and make it relevant for whatever is happening now. So for that film, originally the character that I got cast as was named Jenny. But then they renamed her Crystal because my name was Jenny. They didn't want like Jenny, Jenny. I don't know. So yeah. her name was Crystal. And, uh, you know, the director, Trip Reed, he was a joy to work with, but he asked me and it was like one of my first major projects and he was like hey Jenny you know how do you feel I think we really need to kind of make you look a little less attractive so would you be comfortable with a mullet <laughs> like, you know my feeling my feeling is like <laughs> get the mullet <laughs> and you were like fuck no, no. <laughs> don't mess with the girl's hair I don't want that no well and also I didn't want to be known as like the mullet girl in the first film I ever did I was like I'm still pretty and young but you could also do that weird thing where you're the mullet girl in the film and then you go to the red carpet and you have your hair all done out like wow she doesn't look okay. like a mullet girl in real life right but to be fair like Charlie's Throne was pretty and then went yeah. really gross ugly and by the way when she did monster most dudes were like man i'll never look at charlie's the same again she was so disgusting <laughs> <laughs> so it is you know you got to be mindful of that if you're a woman and so i told trip in the audition i was like um yeah totally but you didn't want you to like gain weight to look more like a no he diner was just waitress. like Will you can we mess with your hair or whatever? And I was like, mm -hmm, yeah, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. And then we got on set and I was like, no, 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 no. So they gave me freckles and bangs and stuff like that. But um Little did they know you can rock a bang. I can. Little few people can. These were some pretty gnarly bangs. Yeah. But uh it was great. I mean, I had a lot of fun on that project. And this is and your first big feature my first big feature yeah because and and how cool it was because i it was back to back so it was you know um walking tall two and three which we shot in three months and so i that's, remember that's what they did with lord of the rings they shot both films at the same time same time yeah, yeah. smart way to do it because you want to kind of get the cast before they age out yeah get that fat makes sense or, yeah you know put weight on <laughs> and so three months are you working out of home are you like cloistered on a set at this point are you is it all out of dallas right yeah it was all they filmed it in dallas because so you drove home every night and drove back to work. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, um, and trip in the audition, like there was a bunch of people in the room and I went in to audition for this next round and trip was like, you booked it. And I was like, Oh, uh, okay. He's like, yeah, don't tell anyone, but like you got the job. And I was like, cool, 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 cool. And then there's a rape scene in the movie uh -huh. and he's like, and you, you, you read the rape scene. Right. And I was like, mm hmm. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And he's like, so you're comfortable with that? And I was like, e yes, not I am. literally. <laughs> no, mind you, I had not read said script. I had no idea this character Hilarious. was getting raped. I just was like, just smile. Yeah. And, yes. um, and I left that day and like walked out, and all the girls are like waiting to Were go in the room the and finger, audition. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, bitches. I know. I always hated those people that are like, booked it. It's so rude. Ugh. So I just walked out and acted like it was the same old day. And I called my agent from the car and I said, hey, Suze, like, I, I booked it. And she's like, what are you talking about? You just went on the audition. I'm like, no, no, no. I'm, I'm certain. Like he said in the room, you booked it. And she's like, what? So she calls the casting director. The casting director calls me. She's screaming. She's like, ah. Trip calls me. And he's like, okay, I just got yelled at by the casting director for booking you in the room. So apparently I wasn't allowed to do that. 
the casting director works for the director. <laughs> I know. Let that the be funny known. She was a dis- lovely human. Did that? Did that casting director hate you after that moment? <laughs> she always found reasons to hate me. I worked on a commercial, Joe's Crab Shack, that she had cast me in one time, and it's a very long story. But to sum it up, this. I had a pair of sunglasses. They were like Prada sunglasses. They were my first like really nice pair of sunglasses. And they were with my stuff all day. And if anyone knows me, which for those of you that are just getting to know me, you should know I don't lose things ever. Like I'm very, very mindful of my stuff or where it's at. And um, your OCD. Yeah. Let's just call a spade a spade. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I couldn't find my sunglasses and I was like that's just like the strangest thing so I called everyone on set from that day and I said hey if anyone found my sunglasses I assumed maybe makeup had it because you know you're on set and they come and take your glasses off if you're outside so long story the short like production calls and they um they said hey we found Jen's sunglasses and I go to pick them up and uh the I'm on the phone. I just thought I was like swinging by the office to grab my sunglasses. And the producer's like, um, can you come in my office really quick? We just need to talk for a second. And Ooh, I was like, yeah, sure. Hold on. I'm like on the phone. I'm like, okay, I'm going to call you right back. So I sit down and she's like, <clears throat> do you know where we found your sunglasses? I'm like, uh, beats me. I, I obviously lost them. So no, she's like the makeup artist found them in the trash. And I was like, well, I didn't put them in the I trash. I didn't put them in the trash. I mean, I knew, like, if I'm calling it what it is, that makeup artist took my glasses. It's really simple. Yeah. And I was like, oh, And shit. then oh, didn't look. want to admit that she took them because yes. I made such a stink. And I was like, somebody took my glasses and I yes. caused so much ruckus. So suddenly they magically appear and she's like, in the trash. So you know what? You need to, like, apologize for being. She starts giving me this the whole. The producer? Oh, Yeah. A lecture on what a rotten human I am for leaving my sunglasses and making people pick up after me and I was like that what the hell and so That's I just remember crazy. saying well cool thanks for my glasses and so anywho bringing the casting director back around to this casting director emails me or she emails my agent and she says to my agent um you know tell Jenny to apologize to myself and the entire crew about uh. her behavior on these sunglasses also the producer called and said she was on the phone when she arrived and how rude she was and i was like whoa so i i wrote my agent and i said you can tell her i won't be apologizing period and she's like oh my god if you do this you're never going to work with this woman again you're going to be on joe's crab shack again right but she was also cast features she was a big casting director out there yeah like she ran dallas and i won't say her name but she 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 had weight and she never cast you again after that Oh, no, she hated me. She was like, that bitch, who does she think she is? And so then uh, I got nominated. Let me nominated. Just real quick. Okay. Why don't, why don't you just go, I get it's a game. <laughs> it's fucking no big deal. No. I'm just going to be like, I'm so sorry. Because I, I didn't do it. Because of course because you didn't do it. Is that, I, the, is that the... Because I didn't... The way that this woman worked, and it was specifically in regards to her, like her behavior towards other actors, she mm. was so horrible. And, you know, it is a slight stigma that casting directors can be grouchy, bitter, pissed off. Not all. Yes. But there are a handful. Well, I also think... Real quick pin. I think that in smaller towns and smaller productions and smaller theaters, for example, they're always the worst. 
Oh, yeah. I've never been... If I'll audition for like the head of ABC or going for a pilot and they're so super nice, they want you to do good. You're like, hey, man, good to see you, blah, blah, blah. And then you go in for like Pittsburgh Regional Poughkeepsie Theater audition (laughs) for a Tennessee Williams play and you go in there and they're like, they can't be bothered. They're like, they're giving you shitty direction and yelling, thank you, thanks for coming. I know. Because the more insecure you are, the less well you treat your actors. Right. Well, and 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 so I don't want to say like that's all of them, but I would say there's a large handful that have that ideology where they're just like I yeah. run this town. Nobody I'm in LA. You. Everybody in LA is amazing. They're all amazing. We love you. But all. in Dallas, in Dallas, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but it makes sense though. It's true. So she, so the you asked me why not apologize, and it was purely on principle where I was like I don't care if people look at me because you know. I'm a blonde, young, you know, vibrant little 20-year-old. It would be easy to assume that I was flippant, careless, any of these things that they were saying about me, and it was all wrong. And so I was like, I'm not going to apologize on principle alone because I'm being accused of something I didn't do, and I didn't care about the game. So interestingly enough, this casting director decides, like, she hates me. Sure. And I do a a play that year called... um, Crimes of the Heart and I played this character Chick and very famous play yeah very yeah. big play yeah and it was really it was actually like one of my favorite roles I've ever done because like what I like about theater versus film is you get to play more character roles sometimes especially for me like my typecast is usually pretty um, you know just nice leading lady but you don't really get to go off the sure. off the scale any bit so anyhow in Dallas the theater space and the theater scene is like it's really big. It's sort of like they want to be Broadway, right? But they take it very seriously. And it's, yeah. a, it's a hard space to kind of break into. And I was just doing it for fun. And they had this award show, the Column Awards. And, you know, everyone was piping and brimming about it. And they're like, oh, the Column Awards, it's coming out. And I was literally paying no attention to it. But this casting director was presenting for the Column Awards. Um, and I didn't realize all of a sudden the newspaper comes out and they're like, Jenny, you were nominated for best actress, you know, playing chick in, in crimes of heart. I'm like, Oh my God, that's so cool. And I thought my girlfriend was going to win. I did. I literally had no idea I was going to win this award, but you went to the, banquet? I didn't even go. I, so here's where it gets fun is I didn't go to the award show, but all of my colleagues and everyone Why didn't there, you go? I didn't think I was going to win. Even if you didn't win, well, I was, I don't know. I just was like, ah, yeah, whatever, fine, it's cares, fine. Yeah. Nobody cares about me in the theater scene. That was really, I didn't think. And then <laughs> I won. <laughs> and guess who had to call my name Oof. to receive the award? I wish you have a but video. But this casting video, director. Videotape of that. Her just saying your name like Jennifer Shakespeare. <laughs> Crimes of the heart. And uh, I wasn't even there. So she couldn't give it to me. Ha ha. <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> and so did they mail it to you? Did they mail the award to yeah. you? So and then no it was like in the paper and it was the whole thing and everyone's like, oh my God, did you know? You didn't even go. Who are you? Does winning an award like that, does winning any award other than an Oscar actually lead to more work? Did it all of a sudden make people go, oh, we got to get this I think woman. it gives you clout in the space that you're working in, you know, because the truth is colleagues, people that we work with and as you know, working in uh, Los Angeles or New York, like those are the most competitive spaces that you're ever going to be in. Yeah. And if you can get the respect of your colleagues, they might not respect you because there's senses of jealousy, et cetera. But all of a sudden you have like this award that everyone was sort of vying for. Yeah. Yeah. It gives you clout for sure. 
Yeah. I think. I, I don't know that it like books your jobs. But sure. So yeah. you, you did, so Walking Tall led to other films then after doing those. Yeah, I got like so many movies. I'm kidding. <laughs> well, I mean, well, no, I did. Yeah, I just bro. I thought Walking Tall was really going to be like this breaking off point. I remember Kim Dawson Agency, which uh, Selena Gomez came out of Kim Dawson Agency in Dallas. Um, Demi Lovato came out of uh, Kim Dawson Agency. I started at Kim Dawson. And then I left them because they weren't getting me enough work. And I was like, I want to work. Like, you guys are keeping me on a wall here. I want to go. And after Walking Tall, I remember my agent from Kim Dawson came to the premiere and she was like, good job, dude. Congrats. And they, I would have never gotten that job if I didn't make the choice to say, I'm leaving the big agent and I'm going to go boutique and I'm going to put myself out there and I'm going to work. Yeah. And I'm not going to be ashamed of it. So um, anyways, Dallas is great. Um, you know, I, I booked W with Oliver Stone out there. Well, that's, um, I mean, by the way, not to knock Walking Tall. Oh, no, not at all. And Kevin Sorbet. <laughs> but, uh, but going from that to Oliver Stone is a quantum jump in terms of who you're being exposed to and what level you're playing at, right? So how that, how that pan out? How was that? Did, same thing, you went to audition, he's in the room with casting director and producers. Yeah, I, I went to audition and uh, then went to callbacks and um, Louisiana at the time had film incentives. So a lot of film projects were moving out to Louisiana. Um, and so then, you know, I got the callback and it was actually for the role of Fran. And I forget, I forget her name. She was good friends with Josh Brolin, who played in W. Uh, he played George Bush. And mm, gosh, darn it. I can't remember her name. But anyways, Marcy, Marley. Uh I was auditioning for the role she got in the movie yeah. and it was Fran. And so Oliver, you know, asks me in the room, he's like, how old are you? And I was like, uh, I, well, I play between the age range of, and he's like, no, no, no. Like, how old are you? And I was well, like, technically they're not allowed to ask right. legally, which is a SAG rule. Okay. But you have like Oliver Stone, you have Oliver Stone. yelling at you. Like how old are how you? How old do you want me to be? <laughs> right. I was like, I play between the age <laughs> range. And he was so mad at me. He's like, ah, but anyhow, he in in the moment he was like I really like you and then he turned over to the casting director and he's like can we pull the Susie sides and they were not casting for that role at that time and he said get Susie's sides and the casting director I mean her her face went like white and she was like huh he's like get me Susie's sides uh, and she's like we we, 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 we we were expecting to be casting for Susie I don't have any and he's like ah <laughs> getting um so anyways, he asked me a bunch of questions and then he was like, he said, I like you. You remind me of my ex-wife on set. Actually, I think he said that to me to on hear. set, which is, you know, whatever. Long so st- she leaves to go get the sides and you're just in the room with Oliver Stone. Yeah. And he's like, you know, grilling me and asking me questions. And then he said the same thing like Trip did. Like, great, you got it. And I'm going to have you play Susie. And I don't have the sides for you right now, but just know I'm casting you as Susie. Oh, so you never read the part of Susie. Yeah. And I was like... Uh, uh, okay cool except i'm sorry i was here for fran so i don't know <laughs> but um and he's like yep so we'll just have you with Susie." and then he looked over the casting director and he's like so you'll get that all together for her and uh you know nice meeting you i'll see you on set so i mean when you left that room that's that must have been a feeling of like god damn that's an awesome feeling it was exciting but also strange because i had no idea what i had just like i had Susie's no idea who's on her knees Susie blowing was. george w bush <laughs> <Right>. what <laughs> monica Lewinsky. why is she in this movie um Susie evans actually was very dear friends with george bush um she was a very pivotal figure in his life and um 
Don Evans was her husband. He was on the, you know, cabinet with George Bush. And so they went to, you know, the White House with them. And um, Noah Wiley played my husband in it. He was on ER and he was, uh, yeah, he played course. Don Evans. And this is movie W in case we didn't make that clear enough. <laughs> I think we did, but I just want to make sure. But it was, it was a really fun um how long was that shoot? A movie. It was a, mm, like a month, maybe a month or two months. Yeah, same thing in Dallas. Life. Just drive set every day. That was in Louisiana, actually. So oh, I so stayed in Louisiana. Yeah, give you a hotel yeah. and stuff. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, it was great. And then Tree of Life. Uh, you know, I obviously. So that happened. Was, what, did, did Tree of Life happen because you no. generated some momentum from W's complete independent? No, Tree of Life came to me. My agent called and she said, I have this secret project this director is doing in Austin. And at the time I was living in Dallas, it was like roughly a three and a half hour drive. And she's like, so you got to drive down to Austin to audition for it. Um, and so I was like, okay, cool. So I went and I read for the casting director and it was sort of a strange audition. Just the casting director alone. Yeah. Put you on tape. And then I drive back and then they call me in again and I do it again. Drive back call me in again and by the third so you time you drove back three times yeah, yeah. Have, having not seen uh, you have no idea who the director is no, no. idea what the script is yeah no. just some secret project right so my agent's like and mind you at this point I've booked W I've booked Mirrors 2 I've booked like I'm, I'm, I'm just you know I'm on a hot streak at this yeah. point and so she's like okay so the director really likes you and he wants you to come back down and I was like you tell this director okay yeah that he got what he needs. <laughs> so if he wants to book me, then, you know. And she's like, right. And then she's so, like, let me tell you who it is. Well, she didn't know, but she, anyway, she found she out. She didn't even know who it was. She didn't at the time until I was basically like, you call up this person, this director. And, yeah. and then she called me back and she's like, so listen, I can't tell you who it is, but I'm telling you but as your agent, get in your car and get <laughs> mugged down there. Yeah. So I went down and I met Terrence and, when, um, when you met him in the room, because I know you well enough to know that like you're not the most pop culturally obsessed person in the world. You know the business, but I, I, not that Terrence Malick is esoteric, but he, he's a little deeper cuts for some film fans. You know? He's huge. He did, for those of you that don't know, he did The Thin Red Line. He mm-hmm. did Badlands. Badlands, yeah. Basic. I mean, He hasn't done that many movies, but they've all been sort of right. he's interesting just, big movies. He's a very, for Hollywood so to speak for anybody who watches his films they like them they're great films and i think that hollywood specifically has this like um you know he's on a bit of a pedestal he's this incredible director who basically only makes a movie once every 10 years yeah you know so the odds that you're even going to get in a movie with this dude and and for like for instance adrian brody on thin red line um you know he got cast in the role and i did know this about terrence when i started this casting process because I started to do even more research to understand like his, how he worked and Adrian got cast in Thin Red Line. He was the main star of the movie. It was going to be a breakout role for him. He goes to the premiere. He's all excited. They cut him completely from the movie. He I was mean, completely, completely, cut, from completely the movie? cut from the film. I had no like, idea. squashed cut. And everyone he didn't said know that, that until, the premiere? Didn't know until the premiere. Now, mind you, that feels illegal. Oh yeah. It's, and it like, was horrible for him. I mean, yeah. he showed up, he's like doing red carpets. He's not even in the film. So I knew this about Terrence going into this. And yeah. I, and so many people warned me in the industry where they're like, dude, just like, no, even if you get the opportunity to work with this guy, like 
you have no idea. He does weird stuff. Like he might cut you completely. You don't know. And so I was kind of like low expectation for whatever transpired from this. And um, so I got down there and he was auditioning this girl, you know, before me. And, and the audition was not going that well because I could hear through the door. Like he was not happy with what, whatever was going on in there. Mm-hmm. And she, Wait, at this point, let's, let's slow down a bit. Okay. So you're in the waiting room waiting to go in. Do you know it's Terrence Malick at this point? Yeah. So who told I, you? My agent told me. She wasn't supposed to. On the to. drive down? He, she's, she's like, get in the car. It's Terrence Malick. Okay, Shut yeah, up. Okay, get course. in the car. Yeah. I, I'd say, yeah, of course she has to. Yeah. I mean, she wasn't supposed to, but come on. But come like, on. who yeah, was exactly. I going to tell? It's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, so I knew it was Terrence and I'm just like sitting outside. But what, what had already been happening with these auditions is they were all like uh, sort of improv based. So yeah. you would never get sides ahead of time. You had no idea what you were going to be doing Those with Terrence. favorite. So it's already like uh, nerve wracking because you're nervous mm-hmm. and now you don't know what what acting chops you're gonna have to pull out today. Are you laughing? Are you crying? Are you yeah. making up a? St- I mean, it's just you know. Yeah, but there's also something relaxing about the fact that in that situation, all you can do is what your brain can allow you to do. You know what I mean? You don't have to. You can't beat yourself up for not being prepared enough because I think a lot of actors do that. They go, they they get sides and they go, uh, and they leave like fuck. I should I should worked harder i should have memorized it should have you know what i mean but this is just like if you're improving a scene like this is your brain is your brain it's going to come up uh, come up with whatever it comes up with you know what i mean i suppose it's slightly Was i mean i'm fun? not gonna like you're a comic and you do stand-up comedy i think that's a very terrifying thing for 99 percent of humans to even yeah. think about that so i feel like it's in that same vein where you're standing in front of one of the biggest like notorious directors of our time or our generation and you don't know what you're going to be asked to do. And it's like exciting because I love to act. And it was terrifying for me. Seriously. Like yeah. I remember being like, okay, Jenny, it was like, you know, before you go to the gym and you're going to go to like, you know, a big workout or a big fight. If you're a fighter, or you're M&M you know, in the bathroom, eight mile. Yeah. Yeah. Like you're, you're pumped up, but you don't know what you're pumped up for. Cause you yeah. don't know what to expect. And so I'm sitting like outside the room and I knew it was going to be something slightly dramatic, obviously, because that had been the you tonality. yelling at this girl like, no, 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 not like that. Oh, oh no. God, yeah. He's brilliant. yelling at her. And he, he, I mean, <laughs> he was like, you're terrible. He's like, don't. He's like, stop acting. Stop acting like you're acting. Just oh. be normal. Like, I forget what he was saying. He was basically saying to her, you are acting and I can see it and yeah. it's playing on camera and it's shitty. He wasn't being that mean, but it was intense. Yeah, and I heard it through honest, the door yeah. and she came out tears streaming down her of face. Course. I mean, she's just bawling. And he was like, you're terrible. Like you shouldn't be in acting. <laughs> no way. He told her that. I mean, it, it was pretty intense. Okay, That's it. not that he wasn't that mean, but he, yeah. but he was not, you know, he's no, so you far. see her come out crying. You're like, Next she, no, she comes out crying and she looks at me and she goes, <laughs> good luck. <laughs> and I was like, Oh man. <laughs> By the way, that's got to be a scene in a show or a movie of actors getting ready to hear director yelling and it comes up crying, good luck. That's fucking hilarious. And I, I imagine part of you might be like, did he take his dick out? Like, why is she crying? I mean, I heard it through the door, so I know exactly why okay, she was crying. Yeah. She basically got told, like, get out of here. But yeah. mind you, we were at the stage of callback, so this woman had made it yeah. at least this far, yeah. but he was not happy. So sure. I walk in the room. I'm like, hello. You know, he's like, hey, Jenny, you know, lovely to meet you. And then the improv that he asked me to do is he's like, uh, okay, you are, uh, you're at your, 
was it my son yeah he's like you're at your son's funeral go go you tell me like just does that even make you slightly like what do you do are you walking at the funeral are you sitting at the funeral are you holding the baby's hand <laughs> like i don't there's i know exactly what i would do i would go up there i would be like i'm making a eulogy and I would I would steal from Bojack Horseman. Oh, that's good. That's actually. And I would just start doing a eulogy, and be like, I just want to see my son one more time. I'd lift it up, and then I'd go, <laughs> Wait, is this funeral parlor B? <laughs> I'd have to do that. That's anyway. actually good. I I. <laughs> so what do you do? Just start. All crying? I could envision was that the mom was sitting in a pew. Like this is like what came to my head immediately. I was like, Okay, I'm sitting in a pew, and the you know we're listening to whatever's happening with the funeral. And I'm just existing. I'm just here existing in this moment where I've lost my son. And I performed in that moment for him. I mean, I really didn't say anything. I didn't talk. I just was like, you know, envisioning this moment. And Terrence stops and he's like, that's good. And then he he literally says to me, which this, this like stays with me forever. But he said, do you realize what an insanely talented actress you are? Wow. He's like, you are incredible. And I was like, Oh my God. Cause I had just seen him like, can you use as a quote on a resume or (laughs) website or something? No, it was just, Jesus. It was really, really cool. And it's still, were you crying when you're sitting there? Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but not like, you know, overly doing it. Just like the single tear down the cheek, like Denzel Washington (laughs) glory. Right. Or what's the girl that was in Gatsby? I forget her name. Uh, Uh, Elizabeth Debicki? No. Great Great Gatsby? Gatsby? Yeah. With Leonardo DiCaprio, she's got blonde hair. It's Elizabeth Debicki. No, Bill. She has... Um, whatever. <laughs> Come on. She's like in all these movies. She was hot for a while. She had like short hair. A blonde girl. Not the one who was married to Heath Ledger. Not her. Her? Yeah. Whatever. The I one who did the Maryland movie. No, 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 no. Not her. Oh, God. I can't think of her name. But anyhow, she's cute. Okay. And um, she always has one tear that falls from her eyes Such in every single talent. movie. She worked with Oliver actually in another movie. I, I wish I could Gosh, do why, that. Why can I think of her name? I don't think I could do that. that one tear. No, I think I've tried before and it just doesn't work. But I remember when I saw Denzel Washington do that in glory, I was like, that's the best acting I've ever seen. My, Cause he's getting whipped and he's just looking, he's like looking at Matthew Broderick and just like straight face, like his face isn't moving and just like tear. And this is before Botox. So that's impressive. Well, and also, I think that... Uh, Carrie Mulligan is her name. Thank you. Oh, okay. Um, I think that a powerful thing, and you and I have had conversations like this in the past, but as far as actors and relating that to like real life, most people don't just want to ball their brains out, specifically yeah. in public. They might do it alone, but like the average person is not going to just want to just let it all out. So a great thing is getting to the point where you're going to do it and then doing everything to stop yourself from crying. And that's when just like one tear comes out, but it's still super powerful because you're, you're bottling it in you know, some strange way, but it was so that, that moment like forever sticks with me. And I still had to audition. I think like I auditioned a total of seven times for him. Jesus. And then he came up to Dallas. Like these are all in Austin. Uh, most of them were in Austin. Then he came to Dallas for one and we screen tested and he brought like, you know, a cameraman and we went to all kinds of different locations and screen tested with camera. And then he calls me the last time. This is the seventh time to come back down or to go to Austin. Uh-huh. And I was just like, I, 
my my nerves were like shot by this point because I had done it so many times. I was like, please book me. So he brings me into his office. I'm like pumped up doing the whole like, okay, what's coming at me today? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Right. Like seriously, just getting ready for this audition. Three hours in the car thinking, overthinking it on my way down. And I get into the room and Terrence is like, oh no, no, Jen, Jen, you're done auditioning. You don't, what are you doing? You don't need, and I was like, huh? And I, I mean, I just driven like three hours. Oh He's like, God. no, no, come in my office. I just wanted to talk to you about the role. And I was like, oh. You could call me, you ass. I'm thinking, what the, right. So we sit, I sit down with him and he says, you know, I've just been debating. Thank you for bearing with me. Um, what role you're going to play. Um, He's like, I can't, I couldn't decide who I'm going to put you opposite. But it'll be opposite one of my main lead men and it's either sean penn or brad pitt are you okay uh, with that and i was like, like, you're like i'll take the brad pitt <laughs> i was like I'm, I'm great he's like and uh you know we're filming in july are you available i'm like free as a bird <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> let me check my schedule yeah um and so then i ended up going and filming uh w at the time but i got this call to go down and meet with terrence while i was filming, filming w. w so i actually had to leave louisiana go down to austin and so when I got back on set, you know, like it was really fun because uh, we had dinner and Noah was there and Josh and Elizabeth and Oliver and like the whole crew. They know all, why you'd left. Yeah. And we're all at dinner like talking. And I told I told Noah first and Noah's like jaw hit the floor and he's like, what? He's like, you just booked opposite like with with what and so they're like ding 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 and everyone's clinking their glasses oh at the table they're like oh my god congratulations jenny shake jeff you're you know it was it was really fun and they were all so stoked for it and um and we filmed it and i ended up playing opposite sean penn um and terrence was like very interesting character to work with he he was really improv based uh he didn't like a whole lot of talking and he actually said to me, because we'd worked together long enough at this point, where he's like, I know you like to talk, so I don't want you to talk on set. And what I was like, like, when, what? Not, when, when I'm not in, when I'm not filming, he basically said, when you're not filming, shut the fuck I up. want you to be in character the entire time. You are not to be like mingling and socialing and bopping around. Like, I know you No. Yeah. And I was like, don't laugh at people's jokes. <laughs> like i can't do that (laughs) so (laughs) so anywho that lovely long diatribe of a story all to get to the premiere premiere is coming (laughs) pr is calling me every agent manager i'm getting like you know scoped out everyone's so excited oh my god the movie's coming out what's gonna happen and i get a call the day before the premiere and they're like you got cut wow and by the way, they cut Sean's, uh, Sean Penn's role pretty heavily where Sean was like really bothered by it. But, um, yep. Did Brad, because I feel like when that movie came out, I never saw it. It was like a six hour film. Yeah. That's I heard it was I really cut. long, but, but it's not six hours. They, it, they cut it down to three. Um, I, I remember Sean Penn was the, the guy that was promoted for the film. I don't even remember Brad Pitt being in the film. I just remember it was all like Sean Penn looking at trees and stuff. Yep. And then Sean got cut out of it. And Crazy. oh, and here's the funny thing. So Jessica Chastain at that time, it was funny because Eric Kopeloff was a producer on W and he's like, my buddy, Jessica Chastain has been auditioning for that movie. I'm like, oh, no way. He's like, yeah, she's, you know, a theater actress in New York. She's really trying to like make it big in Hollywood. And I was like, oh, cool, 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 cool. Jessica Chastain 
blew up after that film. And what's so and she was funny, in the she was in it. She was yeah, featured she's it, yeah. in it. She plays uh, Brad Pitt's wife. But Terrence <laughs> said to me, "I can't decide where I'm going to place oh, you. You're either going to play opposite Brad or you can play opposite Sean." And how how funny how that like cookie crumbled. But That's I got to tell is. you, it just it's it's it was a great experience and I'm, I'm beyond thankful that I got to work with such a notorious director that like so many people in our, in our business anyhow. Yeah. Um, so I'm thankful for the experience. You yeah, know? no, it's it cool. Great. I did have that experience recently with that movie tiger tail. The guy, he, he's this, he did a uh, master of none the disease and sorry, <gasps> I'm blanking on his name right now, but he's a pretty brilliant um, writer, director, and he and Tiger Tail was sort of like the opus to his family, and I was in scenes with John Cho and the the female Asian lead. And again, it's one of those things like you go, well, this isn't going to be cut because John Cho, he's probably the star of the movie. He's a big star, and um, and not only did they cut my stuff out, but the whole set piece that they used, which is this huge office building in Manhattan where they shot for like a week. I mean, none of it was in the film. And John Cho- Cho's part of the film was completely relegated to like three or four scenes. So obviously I think at that point, it's not personal. They're just like, we have this story. There's budgetary constraints. But obviously when that happened to you, you probably felt like, is it because he hated me? Is it because, I mean, I imagine you'd probably go like, you take it personally like it wasn't. I guess I just always reflected back to that moment in the room with him. And he was like, you are an extraordinary actress. Yeah, like, exactly. You are insanely. And and like, that was a huge deal for him to be testing me. And, and Jessica is very talented as well, Jessica Chastain. So I'm, you know, at that time, I was just like right on that cusp. I was yeah. working with some really incredible people and... um and so I'm not mad about it. But I know yeah. people are like, oh, I thought you were in Tree of Life. What happened? I'm nah. like, oh, I, I was. So so after Tree of Life, um, did you feel like you'd kind of jumped the shark in terms of the Dallas film scene at this point? Did, is that when you kind of made the switch to L.A.? Yeah. Yeah, I was, um, you know, at that point I had really, uh, for lack of a better word or term, you know, I kind of hit my ceiling yeah. in Dallas. And it was time. And I was getting, you know... Uh, scouted by managers and agents out here in LA and I was ready you know I was ready to to pivot and so I've been out in LA for some time now and I love acting I think it's one of my most favorite uh, and uh, highest level of skill sets that I possess in creativity entertainment you name it Um, and then just in staying relevant and also kind of long-term looking at what I want to do for the rest of my life should acting not always be something. Because, you know, acting is a, a tough thing to s- sustain, especially in such expensive cities. Yeah. Um, so I ended up getting into voiceover and I've been so happy doing voiceover because it allows me to play in a space that again there's no visuals getting in the way so it's not like oh jenny's this blonde blue-eyed she can only play that like you know you can play these crazy fun kooky characters and sure i was always really really good with voices and i remember sean stone so sean and i became really good buddies sean after. Stone, oliver's son yeah he's oliver's son and we be we literally have been friends now for you know 12 years and um and he was like you need to be a cartoon character like you're just I just want to see you in a cartoon. He would always say that. And so then when I shifted and got into voiceover that he was like, that's it. Like, that's what you should be doing, you know? Um, so that's been great. And then, uh, the last year, uh, last year I decided to, 
actually with let's say within the last five years i pivoted to producing and what was the, what was the stuff. thing that made you go because i think there are a lot of actors comics writers example who always go i want to produce you want to sort of be in the room where it happens like the infrastructure of making something but most people don't do it so what was the thing for you where you said was it just something like you knew you had that skill set or was it just realizing that this business how how dicey it is and how a a, a, a 30 year old blonde woman in la you feel like you're in just this heap of of women getting off the bus every fucking day from wichita whatever it is did it feel just sort of um like a glutted marketplace uh, or did you feel it was something that you'd always wanted to do and now was the moment to do it? I'm a big believer in strategy and timing. And so while I look at the acting market from my vantage point as like, it's a, it's like roulette, you know, you can you can play roulette all day long and you can win. It's like playing the lottery. Like if you buy your lottery ticket, you might win you might win you have like a one percent and but you got to play right and then what are you going to do outside of just trying to play the lottery every day because that's not a realistic way of existing and so that's when i started to really strategize like okay voiceover was great and then i was tired of trying to hustle and have jobs while also bartending or running a you know i, I ran several other companies while also doing all of the you know acting jobs and i was exhausted and I thought like, man, I'm really smart in business and I've, I've developed so many incredible relationships, having been in the business for a long time. I wanted to pivot. And again, where I started this with was this timing and our industry is shifting quickly, so mm -hmm. much quicker than it was even when I first started, you know, uh, influencers and IG and YouTube and all of these things that started to come out to really, really wreck with and, and change the dynamics of the space that we're playing in. So yeah. I thought all right, cool. I'm going to make myself uh, have some longevity that isn't just the playing roulette all day long. And I also want to do something where I have ownership over it. I have creative say over it. And I want to be able to produce and, and create projects that I believe in. And yeah. so it's really taken a seismic shift though. You know, I think that sometimes I talk to other filmmakers or they're wanting to be producers or they're wanting to write or they're wanting to really change their lane. And I think right now with COVID, it has forced everybody in certain ways to rethink what they're doing and why they're doing it sure. and what that like gives back to them. But even the like really big successful actors, I think, Yeah, I mean, we talked, you know, my friend Garrett was on the podcast who's like, he's, look, he's set for life just with what he's done already financially. But there's a part of him that goes, well, yeah, what, what, what am I doing? Like, what's, what's the purpose of all of it? And do people really give a fuck what celebrities have to say about life mm -hmm. and the world? So I think that's a question that happens for a lot of people in entertainment. Like, you want to feel that you're leaving a legacy that is something that contributes to the greater good of the world. So. Well, and, and now there is, fortunately and for and unfortunately there's two sides of every coin there's so much content and there's so many opportunities and there's so 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 much there's so much noise yeah and because there's so much noise and so much opportunity then the odds of having a star be born are slim to none now you know those days of old hollywood of like the marilyn monroe's and the james deans and yeah. the marlon brando's or whatever those are gone 
you know, our, our last few major stars that have come out and it's not to be depressing. It's to be realistic about where we're headed. Um, VR, AI, all of these different technologies that are coming out where entertainment is even shifting into that platform. And so where most actors get in their own way is they're like, yeah, but I only want to act like that's all I've ever wanted to do. Yeah. I don't know how to do anything else. And, <laughs> and it's true. Like we have agents and managers and teams and people that strategize and help you build so that you can focus on doing the one thing you're good at. And that's acting. But COVID shut everything down to, I mean, this is obviously recent. Agencies are struggling. They're not able to like, you know, agents are quitting their jobs. They're not, they're making their, you know, measly 10% on stuff that, so a, a lot of the strategy for me is I love to entertain. I love what we do. I love being creative. I'll never stop doing that. And um, if I can, even like as a, I mean, not to use the female thing, but you know, as a female, be able to find longevity and success and create other opportunities, not just for myself, but other people um, that have stories that I want to tell. I think that that's just a bigger play but I also find that it takes, you know, I've, I've, I've said this since I was in high school, it takes hard work and determination and you actually have to do the work. And when you take a moving planet, like, you know, earth is moving one direction, right? We're constantly moving in a circle and all of a sudden we're like, no, let's reverse engineer it. Let's make earth go the other direction. Do you know how long it takes for a planet to move into like that massive mass, just yeah. move backwards? So you have to think about that every time you trajectory change your career. So it's like, okay, great. Uh, I'm acting and now I'm moving into this lane. It doesn't happen overnight. You know, I've yeah. been, and so when I made the choice to start writing and creating, I started to see a window where I was like, huh, women in film are starting to pivot and move. Um, Auditions and roles for my type were getting fewer and far between, and it's the most competitive space to be in. Well, yeah, you are you are you are leading lady. Yeah. Period. You know what I mean? I mean, you could be the friend of the lead, but you're leading lady. Obviously, you know, you, like no one's going to cast you as like a character actor, even if you can do that, just aesthetically. You know. Yeah, and 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 it's literally the most highly it's the most the highest uh competitive space i don't know why i can't say that word right now highly competitive space the roles were starting to go down the climate was changing you know we started to have more demands for mixed um you know and also and according to netflix children and children apparently. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but with that i thought now is the time and i noticed colleagues of mine that were like man it sucks like we can't get any auditions right now we can't get any roles like there's nothing even being sent out what a crappy time and my thought to it is always the pendulum always swings like sure we're we're adjusting and we're making different changes within the space and while that happens i'm gonna go make some changes of my own so i started writing um and it took me you know a long time but i wrote several projects and um and then i started making the shift into producing and last year i i was uh i worked on jay and silent bob with uh, kevin smith the reboot um we did that down in new orleans and it was really exciting actually it was a really fun moment for me because i remember being on set and it was the first time i'd ever really like on a major on set major as a producer yeah yeah like on a major film you yeah. know and i was just we got done filming and it was like three in the morning and i I went into one of the back rooms and I just like had tears of joy where I was like, this is so cool. Like I did this, you yeah. know, I made the choice to make the shift 
And I knew even in that moment, I'm like, Ooh, it's still going to be hard after here, but yeah. wow, does it feel good? And I'm really going to relish in this moment, mm-hmm. you know, and appreciate it. So I think with anything like with acting and producing as well, you have to embrace the drama and humiliation mm. as part of it. And that's got to be part of the fun. I mean, I was, you know, when I talk about jujitsu, same thing, like humiliation and defeat is part of the fun of jujitsu. Cause like, wow, I get to experience being choked out by a blue belt. Cool. So same thing with producing and acting. Like if you don't have fun, part like a little bit of you, if you don't have fun, a little bit of the drama of being excited and being let down and uh, next time, if that doesn't somehow, then it's not the job for you. Same thing with the comic. If, if, if being, if bombing isn't a little bit fun for you, then don't be a comic. You know what I mean? So I imagine producing the same way because producing probably even more so because the stakes are so much higher. To, to, to make a big swing on a big film or a big project um, must be lots of lots of humiliation and lots of and not humiliation in a bad way just like it's humbling to be in that space yeah and it's I mean it's a different level of stress that comes on because you're just juggling like a lot of people under your belt you know yeah. and, and you're juggling investors and hoping that the movie does well and people's requests and agents and management sure so as a as a woman in the, in the business as a producer what do you think are the unique challenges to women who are producing or like there are more and more i think creators that are female more and more more and more women are being encouraged to direct and produce and create and female driven female created shows are sort of the hot thing right now so what do you think are the unique challenges to that is it just do you think and i've talked to several women about this do you think that men in general are sort of by default just sort of like okay let me tell you about how things are done here is it just sort of like i've heard so many women go like and you know i i've mixed feelings because on one hand i think that's just people in general people are just assholes to everybody if they have power men and women but i imagine as a woman it, it's you know it's backwards and high heels so what what are your challenges that you find are presented to women in general trying to get into that space i would i mean there's always challenges, I think, with any space. And I find myself, you know, sometimes I'm like, ah, it's so hard being a woman in this space. And then other days I'm like, oh, man, I'm so grateful for this or that. Um, it is a doggy dog. I mean, it's as far as producing goes, it is the shark tank of all tanks. Like, you're not in the kitty pond anymore. You're mm. not getting coddled like an actor where you have, like, agents and managers fielding all of that nonsense away from you. And actors really do get spoiled in that way. They don't sure. realize that these teams are really helping them. Um, and I'm off on a tangent, but I actually hate when, when actors are like, my agent doesn't do enough for me or whatever. I'm like, dude, That's they're getting 10%. You, like, yeah. it's... But... Um, I was saying it's like a shark tank of sharks and so everyone like if you're in that producing space you pretty much know everyone you're playing with and it's like who can get the money who can get the project who can green light and you got so many creators out here in, in Hollywood or in California you get so many creators in Texas you got them in Louisiana and Atlanta and New York they're all over the world and everybody wants their movie made and they want it made their way and they want you know the money for them so it's it's you have to have tough skin you have to have the thickest skin in the world to be able to walk into that space i think it's amazing that women want to direct i would love to direct i have not taken that swing yet as far as going like oh i'm going to be a big director because truth be told having done all the hats i think that there's a um what do you call it like 
there's a flow of getting there. Like you don't just want to suddenly be like, I'm a director now. Yeah, all these women are directing yeah. movies, so suddenly I'm a director. Like mm, it's a hot, it's a big hat to wear. Producers a big hat to wear. Um, I would say people should be like, so before I get to the challenges, I would say the challenge is yourself, first of all, because you cannot get in your own way and you can't allow like the ferociousness of the market to beat you down. Because guess what? Everyone is getting treated like a shark out here. So yeah. if you're a little goldfish, go back to your pond. Yeah. Because you can't take the waters, you know, it's, it's, it's deep out here and it's, it's tough. Yeah. And all of us have some shark bites. <laughs> yeah. So I think there's that. I think creating a reputation and a name for yourself where people trust you and they want to do business with you is, is great. Personally, I was reflecting on this earlier today and last night and I thought, gosh, I'm, you know, sometimes I complain that it's really tough to be a female in this business. And it is. Um, and I also am so like, really really grateful for the men who have come into my life like i'm supported by a lot of men who see me and i'm sure sometimes they think ah jenny or whatever but they make sure to like make me you know maybe if it's one percent better or give me a piece of advice or help me in certain ways and so i think that's an important thing to recognize like we can all help each other um and it would be easy to overlook all of it and just be like oh i did it all myself like no actually I had people help me that cared about me or that like, even if they didn't care about me, you know, we were able to make it work. So I think that there's maybe a lack of, of, uh, seeing that, that like, there are good guys out there. There are really good people that will help a woman succeed. Yeah. So I think that needs to be, have some light sure. shining on it as opposed to just complaining about. Got it. What yeah. about, what about female producers? I mean, a lot of people get in any space, they need some sort of mentor, or they, a woman that they would want to kind of sort of work under, be an apprentice to. Because I always think about women like Catherine Bigelow or Amy Pascal, like how they got so big in their in their fields. Because um, I, I just don't know how a woman would do. I mean, Catherine Bigelow is one of James Cameron. I mean, she oh, she was married to James Cameron. Yeah, like oh, right, come on, she had the best teacher of all time. Yeah, but, but this is where I really believe we teach each other. Where men get in their ego and they're like, I don't need a woman. Yeah, but women strategize very differently than men. I think that's why the yin and the yang of, of women and men dynamics is so nice. And so, uh, yeah, I think I think most people are kidding themselves if they don't think that they were inspired or helped or... Of course. What's the proper word? Like taught by somebody, Yes, you know, to get their... Yes. What would you say? A mentor, and, yeah. And of course, I think that, you know, the history of the, the world and in America and the business is replete with stories of men who have really awesome female partners and the men end up taking all the fucking credit because they're little dick ego. I think it's a big yeah. issue. I think this history is just, I mean, there's so many things have happened in history that I think if we were to get the honest truth, mm -hmm. we'd be like, oh, actually a woman did that? Huh, who knew? Right. Or like, you know, just it's great partnership truthfully I mean, yeah. and, it, and it exists and it's out there and but are there women that you that you, you can kind of go to or look to that are doing that in your space that you respect that you can reach out to is that something that is even encouraged or possible or is everyone just out for their own i think what i've found is that women who are in film who are in because I don't necessarily, I wouldn't say I have like these women mentors. In fact, most of the mentors I have are men. Are men, yeah. So that's why I was saying I actually have gratitude. I'm like, wow, you know what? I got a lot of men that are willing to like mentor me on things that maybe I need to learn on or grow or I could be better. Um, but as far as women goes, 
I find that when I'm working with other strong, like-minded women or we meet each other or we're in conversation, it's like instant. It is an unspoken thing of like, girl, I got you. Like, what do you need? I remember um, this girl, Nicole Shipley, her and I were working um, with Cross Creek Productions on the Chicago 7 together. And she had called me last year um, to help in some capacity on that. And it was just like she had been screwed over by guys the same way I had and not in a sexual capacity. I'm talking business where it was like, you know, you you do all of this work for someone um, producing and then they literally go around your back and they take your investor. They take whoever you strategized and then you just lost an entire deal and you did all the legwork. Yeah. But I remember us having a conversation and we both it was just really nice. It was like. I got you girl like and and we're not going to backstab and do but is that to say there's not rotten apples out there for women sure yeah but I think there's support I think there is support but not as much because truth be told there's not that many women filmmakers yeah now what do you what do you look for and uh, and you've, you've been very generous with your time but what do you look forward to is there something that you're working on now is, is there a pivot you want to make now that you are really excited about if you can and speak towards that. Yeah, I um I am really excited actually. I've got a couple of projects that I've developed and been creating through my company. Um just kind of assessing what's going on right now in the in the industry and so one of those is um an outdoor variety show which I don't want to say too much about but um you know, it's, it's very exciting. And my goal would be to get us all back to work out here. You know, it's been a very dire time for our industry. So I'd love to not only have me working, but my goodness, all of these people that I know in our industry, were hurting so badly. We need work and not everybody is like going to just come up with something from scratch. So, um, and working on that variety show, uh, the outdoor show right now. And then I also developed, um, an animated series, which, I did the pilot through my company last year um, called Lately in La La Land, and it's really funny. And people can listen to that as a podcast on the Yeah, you guys yeah. can listen to, I think you'll really enjoy it, and we're currently pivoting it for um, an animated show, but it's about four single women in L.A. exploring love and relationships and trying to see if it actually exists out here. Yeah. <laughs> um, or if it's just Mercury in retrograde. So we've got four spicy, fun characters. If you guys ever watched Sex in the City, it's got a little bit of like inspiration from that show. It kind of feels like that meets Fleabag. And it's a very fun uh, scripted comedic series. We cast it through my voiceover agency that I work with. And obviously I'm in the show. I, I play Blake. And I'm really excited about it. And we're also really excited to turn it into an animated series. So you guys can find it with Monument Productions, but just look up Lately in La La Land and um, check out episode one. I think you'll really awesome. really like it. Yeah. Well, Jenny, people can find you on your uh, social medias. I'm sure Instagram is at just at Jennifer Shakespeare, at Jenny Shakespeare. No, you keep saying Jennifer. Is that Jennifer Shakespeare? Jenny. Well, I know, but I'm trying to be proper. Uh-huh. At Jenny Shakespeare. Um, it's Jenny Shakespeare, and like I always say, it's like Shakespeare, but I got the shaft. Shakespeare, <laughs> but you got the shaft. <laughs> yes. So, yes, at Jenny Shakespeare, and um, and yeah, that's where you guys can find me. And you know, feel free to look up any of those movies. Yeah, but really, I, I stream. She gets. I think you get a nickel every time you stream a movie, right? Or something like that. Yeah, Who I knows? do. I get two nickels. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Bye-bye, guys. Bye.